Well, good evening. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 55 tonight, so if you would like to turn there in your Bibles or on your phones, whatever you're using, find Psalm 55. A few people have, uh, have arrived since the beginning of the week, and um, during the first message on Sunday morning, I explained that after 25 years pastoring, uh, our church had the privilege of sending a bunch of people to the mission field, and now the Lord has opened a door for me. My, my new ministry is working with biblical ministries worldwide, kind of a sister organization of Baptist Mid, which you might know better. Uh, you can remember it, BMW, that'll stick in your head. I don't get a company car. If I did, it would be a broken down Ford or something, but BMW, you can remember that. And uh, we're praying for the Lord to send forth laborers, and now uh, my responsibility is to be kind of a missions catalyst, just to preach and promote missions through preaching or writing or networking, however I can. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, sign up for a regular update, not as regular as it should be, but I, I often send that out. Now, I put this QR code up there again. Uh, you might notice Andy and I are kind of having a competition. He started with a link and I went to a QR code. And then he did a QR code. He told me there were 24 people that connected to his QR code. So we are not moving on tonight until I have 25. <laughs> so this is a hostage situation. Get comfortable. Um, you can sign up for, uh, for a regular update just to keep up with me, pray for me. You can do it there. Or uh, for those of you who prefer pen and paper, I have at the back table next to the books I have a uh, place where you can just put your name and email address. I do appreciate your prayers. Um, we're going through kind of a crisis, and we know that Christ will build his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, but we also know there's a shortage of missionaries. There are so many that are retiring that just to keep up, we need to see more people called. And then now there's a shortage of pastors, and there's so many that are through discouragement. Let me, let me just speak to you as a pastor of us. There are so many pastors who are discouraged. They're leaving the ministry to do anything else, and um, pray about that, but also um, go home and love on your pastor. Um, it's a tough calling, and um, you know, pastors can do stupid things. I'll sign that. Um, you can quote me on that, but encourage your pastor. It's a difficult calling, and especially coming out of COVID and all of the, the craziness of the last few years, um, let your pastor know that you, you appreciate him. A lot of pastors, they mostly hear criticism. And uh, for somebody just to say, Pastor, we love you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for studying. You know, here's a card to Applebee's. Take your wife out. Just encourage your pastor. But we're having a shortage of pastors, fewer men going into ministry, some that are falling off. And I'm praying that by God's grace, uh, he will do a work to call more people into ministry. And, um, and that's kind of a focal point of what I'm doing. And some of that I'm going to be teaming uh, with faith. I'm a big fan of what God is doing in Ankeny and and frankly, what God is doing in Iowa. This, this is like my happy hunting ground. I love uh, what God is doing in this part of the country. So please pray for me, and uh, you can get information uh, through the link or at the back table. I so said we're going to be in Psalm 55 tonight. Uh, Psalm 55, one of the most encouraging verses in Scripture is Psalm 55, 22. And uh, I've heard songs that kind of rehearse this text, and uh, I've seen it on greeting cards. In fact, I'm going to show you a couple examples of that. Psalm 55:22 says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
what an encouraging text. Uh, if, if you're thinking of the New Testament, it reminds us, I think, of 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. So, you're not supposed to carry your own burdens. You're supposed to cast them on the Lord. It's a great text, but it's even better if you understand the context around it. Um, Andy and I were joking about his message where he was talking about Philippians 4.13. I've seen uh, a meme that said, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And, uh, and he keeps preaching to us, we need to study the context of the, of the passage. Well, Psalm 55 is the same way. You'll appreciate verse 22 even more if you look at the text that surrounds it. Let me give you an illustration of that. Um, this is you know, kind of a grainy, not very clear picture, but can you tell what's happening there? Uh, there is kind of a nondescript man. He's standing in front of a door. He looks pretty chill. He's kind of at peace. I know you can't see a lot of detail because, uh, because it's not a real clear picture. Reminds me, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I, uh, this is Rebecca. She's the one, she's 25. She's married to a Marine um, when he was getting ready to go into the Marine Corps, he asked me to work out with him. And um, he's half my age. Uh, he's not half my weight, but man, he is a lot. You know, he's, he's fit. I had no business working out with him. And uh, we went out running one day and he said, hey, Pop, um, I'm wearing a 40-pound vest just to get an extra workout. Do you want to wear this? <laughs> I said, bro, I wear 40 extra pounds every day of my life. In the shower, in bed, you know, you got nothing on me. Welcome to my world. Well, this is Becca, and uh, years ago we went and we took a trip and uh, we were walking around a beautiful city. It had all kinds of really huge and ornate doors, so we just walked around one night taking pictures of her by doors, and you might say, you know, the picture that you showed at first, the guy uh, in front of the door, it might feel kind of like that, just kind of happy, relaxed, easygoing, but let me give you the context of that picture, and I think you'll appreciate it more. Here's the man standing in front of the door, and many of you have probably seen this image before. Here is the rest of the picture. He is standing on a lighthouse in front of a door, and there is this massive wave coming around him, and the only thing shielding him from a watery grave is this lighthouse. Um, I heard the story about this. And uh, the photo credit is a Frenchman. I won't attempt to mention his name. Uh, but they were, there were French lighthouses that were being automated. They were getting rid of the person that actually cared for the lighthouse. So he was going around. Before that happened, he was taking pictures of all these famous lighthouses. He was in a helicopter. And he went to take this picture. And uh, the man inside that was the caretaker heard the helicopter and he went outside to see what was happening. He didn't know that a huge wave was breaking. And, you know, after the piece of this picture, he had to hurry inside because the water actually did come around and probably would have swept him away. And it became a picture that I saw for the first time as a teenager in a poster store in the mall. And I'm like, that, that's an amazing picture. Well, Psalm 55 is kind of that way. You know, we can zoom in and we can crop it and we can look at verse 22. It's beautiful. You know, we can put it in front of flowers, make a nice Instagram post, or a Hallmark card. Uh, Cast your cares on the Lord, He will sustain you. That's true. You know, it's always a good idea to have a beach scene with somebody and, and just their, uh, it's not their shadow. What, what's the word I'm looking for? One more time? 
I, I got it that time, silhouette. I feel like sometimes, Andy, I feel like we're playing, we're playing charades. I'm like, all right, three syllables sounds like silhouette. All right, so a silhouette, and you know, there's this picture about you cast your burden on the Lord, he will take care of you. Um, you know, I would frame this and put it up in my house, but the text has a lot more to say than just this kind of happy ending. And if we crop out, we're going to see that where you see calm in verse 22, there's actually chaos in the rest of the chapter. Uh, Psalm 55 is one of the psalms of lament. Do you remember I said that we sing all these happy psalms, uh, praise and joy, and, but there are a lot that are dark. They're in a minor key. Uh, 60 of the 150, 40% of them are songs of lament, of sadness, of complaint, of groaning. Um, Thank you for the music tonight. I asked Willie if we could sing a song of lament right before the message, and we sang, He Will Hold Me Fast. You say, that is such an encouraging song. Right, but it begins with, when I fear my faith will fail, when the tempter would prevail, when when I'm discouraged. Uh, I love the song, um, Is He Worthy? Do you sing that? That's a song of lament. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. You know, do, do you feel like everything's a mess? Right, it is. That's a song of lament. It's not hopeless, but it's realistic. So before we read, and we're going to have to be brief tonight uh, just to, to, save, uh, to save all of the workers from your children, uh, we need to hurry. Uh, and and we're, right at the, we're right at the cusp of disaster, so we need to get out of here pretty soon. But a quick snapshot before we read it, and, and if, if we do this well, we can read it and the message almost is over because you can just learn from the text. This is an inspired prayer. David is going to speak so candidly to God, it could almost feel like he's being disrespectful. Like, you're not allowed to talk to God that way. You are allowed to talk to God that way. You know, I had a, a friend in uh, Ohio, very close to my family, kind of like, like adopted parents to us and adopted grandparents to my kids. And um, Cindy passed away from lung cancer. And um, I was talking to George, how are you doing? And he said, you know, Pastor, honestly... I want her back. I'm miserable. I'm lonely. But I can't, I can't tell God that. And, you know, George, God knows that. He actually wants you to be that gritty and real with him. And I tell people, it's okay to pray angry. But don't get angry and stop praying. That's when you're in trouble. But if in your exasperation, confusion, frustration, if you're saying, God, what are you doing? He would actually rather have that then you just give him the cold shoulder and give up. And this psalm is going to give us an example. It's an inspired prayer. It's teaching us how to pray. And that's kind of shocking. Okay, but let the, let the text speak. It's deeply symbolic and vivid. It's just a beautiful portion of scripture. It is so full of raw emotion. It's some of the most emotive uh, writing in all of the Bible. And it's not joy. It's, it's anguish. It has both lamentation, that sadness, and then I'm giving you these big words, but imprecation and imprecatory prayer is when, especially in the Psalms, when the psalmist says, God, get that guy. Bring judgment on him. Break his jaw. Let the guy who dug a pit fall into the pit. So he's praying, God, sick him. And, and we kind of get uncomfortable with that. Like, wow, are, are, you, are you allowed to say that? If we're so sensitive that we're kind of made uncomfortable by the Bible, we need to change our sensitivity. The Bible's right. Okay, so there are times, I'm not telling you to, you know, your, your neighbor, uh, 
You know, your neighbor makes too much noise. His, his dog uses your backyard. And I'm not telling you to pray for God to zap that guy. But there is a sense of justice where Osama bin Laden is, is finally killed. And we don't mourn over that. We actually rejoice in justice. You know, Hitler fails and it's not a tragedy. A killer is, is brought to justice and there's a sense not of judgmentalism, but of justice, and we want it to be made right. And that's an imprecatory prayer. So we can look for that. And again, it teaches us how to pray on our darkest days. Because there's times we sing, and we sing songs that aren't even true. You know, and now I am happy all the day. R- really? You know, just if you know Jesus then, you know, you can, there was an old gospel song, uh, you can make the sunshine bright, you know, if your heart's right or something like that. And, you know, or, or there's a rainbow every day. And, and like, no, actually, sometimes life is agonizing. It's so hard. And we read that in the Psalms and we read it in Ecclesiastes. And, and we hear the lament of a Jeremiah and, and the book of Lamentations. Life is hard. And when churches don't sing songs like that or preach sermons like that, where we tell people, you know, just if you just had faith, you could just pray and smile and, and it's Joel Osteen. That's not what the Bible says. You know, Jesus himself was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We live in a broken world. You know, I love Louis Armstrong. You know, he has that raspy voice. I said to myself, what a wonderful world. Yeah, it's wonderful, but it's a bloody mess. I'm watching Animal Planet with my kids on Mother's Day. They're loving it. They're young. And then all of a sudden we hear about, you know, when, when a new lion takes over as kind of the king of the, the pride of lions, he, he kills all the cubs and all the cubs got killed and my daughters are weeping. And I'm like, hey, welcome to life in a fallen planet. <laughs> you know, we're not in Eden anymore. We live in a bloody, messy, broken world. All creation is groaning. And even we are groaning. And sometimes to hear a sermon that acknowledges that or to read a text that acknowledges that, it it kind of reveals to you that you're not nuts and you're not the only one to deal with discouragement. And the answer to discouragement isn't just to read a chapter and pray and everything will be fine. Sometimes you, you read a chapter and pray and you trust God, but you're still just broken inside. That's life in a fallen planet, and David tells us so in Psalm 55. So that's a long introduction. Let's go ahead and stand and read the text, and the sermon will preach itself, and uh, we'll go rescue the workers. Let's stand and read Psalm 55 together. Look for the things we've already been discussing. To the choir master, so it's a song with stringed instruments, a mascal of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me, pay attention to me, and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. 
the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah, think about it. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. But I don't have wings. I feel like there is no shelter. I feel like I'm just out on my own, getting just beaten by wave after wave after wave. And he prays this, prays this imprecation, verse 8. Destroy, O Lord. Divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you. He's not talking to God now. He's talking to some person. It is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar, uh, familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their hearts. And now we're going to see a bit of a turn. We're going to see some resolution. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, Selah, because they do not change and do not fear God. Now, now listen to this. He struggled with this grief and doubt and anxiety and confusion. And he calls out to God for help. And you feel like at the end of verse 19, you should roll the credits. We have a happy ending. It's over. But dark times of the spirit, you know, dark moods, discouragement, depression, doesn't just go away that easily. And notice in verse 20, we're going to get right back to some of his grief. Verse 20, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. They were drawn swords. So you see the struggle. Lord, I'm so frustrated by enemies and by fears and by false friends, and I call on you to help me. Ah, thank you. But God, do you remember what he did? And, and he's right back to it, and he's discouraged again. All of that trouble, and we finally get to verse 22, and oh, now, now we have a real balm. Verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord. You know, is, is he talking to somebody else, or is he talking to himself, like he does in Psalm 42 and 43? Like, hey, David, what are you doing? Stop bearing all this weight on your own shoulders. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
But you, O God, will cast them down into the pits of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. (sighs) But I will trust in you. But I will try to trust in you. And then I'm going to get anxiety again, but I will trust in you. And this is a man after God's own heart. This is telling us how to pray through our discouragements. And we don't expect that, you know, the sun comes up tomorrow and we live happily ever after. Life's hard. It's hard. If, if, if it doesn't feel hard, you know, just, just buckle up. Wait. You know, you're either coming out of hardness or you're waiting or you're going into it, but life's hard. And God mercifully doesn't ignore that. And he just tells us the real gritty you know, dirt under your fingernails. This is what it's like to face discouragement and, and trust God in the middle of it. I want this to be a help to you tonight. And I knew the teens wouldn't be here tonight. And, you know, they probably could use this in the future, but, but this is kind of an adult message. So uh, let's take a few minutes to consider it together. Lord, help us. Because what David says about how he feels, we acknowledge that, that we feel like that sometimes. Maybe we feel like that right now. Maybe we felt like that for months or years. And I pray, God, that you would mercifully give some encouragement to your people tonight. That they would stop bearing their burdens alone, but cast them on you, even as their hearts are broken. Uh, do a work tonight through your word. And, and I thank you for the mercy you have to give us scriptures like this. Uh, it's a kindness. We're grateful. Teach us, do your work through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I can make very quick uh, description of this. Again, I don't want to destroy the beauty of it by overanalyzing it, but I'll just say this quickly. David was surrounded by foes without. Uh, verses one through three, he basically says, God, notice my afflictions. And this is lamentation. So you have three verses of God uh, him calling out to God, and I think he kind of, you know, summarizes his feeling when he says, I am restless. And, you know, some counselors would say, oh, David, you know, do your devotions, pray, you'll be fine. Life's complicated. It's not just a quick answer. I'm not saying the Bible doesn't matter, prayer doesn't matter, but he says, I'm restless. He makes four requests in these verses, and if you think about it, they're kind of audacious. God, give ear to me which means hear me. Okay, God is omniscient. He hears everything. But David says, I feel like you're not listening to me. He says, God, don't hide from me. Wow, David, that's quite a charge. It's not just that it doesn't seem like God's attentive. And we know, and David knows, You know, we studied that he who watches over Israel doesn't slumber or sleep. God doesn't fall asleep. God doesn't catch up. Nothing ever occurs to God. But there are times when even though he knows everything, sometimes it feels to us like we're on an island all by ourselves. He says, God, why are you hiding from me? I mean, that's kind of impugning God's character in a way. Imagine your child needs you, and instead of running to your child, you go and, you know, hide in the basement. And all right, maybe you've done it, but, but generally, it, you know, it's not a positive thing to do. He says, attend to me, answers, uh, answer me. And then he gives these reasons. He says, there's all this noise, there's oppression. He pictures his enemies hurling things down on him. When I was in school, 
Um, public school, we read a lot of pretty gritty books um, that I probably didn't need to be reading at that time of life. But one of them was The Lord of the Flies. And there was a kid, uh, I think Piggy, got killed by somebody hurling a big rock down on him. When David says people are hurling insults, they're hurling aff affliction and impression, that's the idea. It's just coming at me from every angle. And he says, God, would you repay my afflictors? You know, part of that is, God, I want you to deliver me from my affliction, but I also want you to judge the people that are making my life so hard. So it's an imprecation. You know, God, bring justice, get them. He says, destroy them, divide them. And his justification for this, I, I don't mean justification like salvation. I mean, the reason that, that he gives for this, his rationale, is there is incessant sin, overt sin. Ubiquitous means it's everywhere. And he actually goes through the city. He says, they're sinning, they're sinning on the walls, and then they're sinning within, and then they're sinning in the marketplace, and the entire city is just full of sin. God, there's sin everywhere. See it. Do something. In a testimony uh, this morning, uh, someone shared reading from Habakkuk. And Habakkuk has that, God, aren't you seeing what's happening down here? David says, see it and, and bring justice. He's surrounded by foes without, but even worse than that, he is tormented. I chose the word on, pur on purpose. Words are powerful. He was tormented by fears within. I mean, the first three verses are gritty, but when you get to verse four, let's read that again. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. Horror overwhelms me. David, what's wrong with you? Aren't you the guy who said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me? You know, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, I'm good. The Lord's my shepherd, I don't need anything. Now, what happened to this guy? Is he, is he schizophrenic? Is he bipolar? I guess kind of. Because there's times in our walk with the Lord that, that we are so comforted by his presence. And then there's time that, although theologically we know he's present, we are discouraged. I'm not telling you it's okay to stay there. All right, don't, don't hear this message as, if you're down, it's fine. I'm just saying, if you're down, you're not broken. There's not something drastically wrong with you. You're not the first person to feel this way. You know, we have a David here, and, and we, have, we have an Elijah who says, God, it's enough, just take my life. Ugh. You know, we have Paul who despaired even of life. Yeah, life's hard, and, and we pray through it, but we don't take on some Pollyanna attitude that acts like it's not happening. Okay, you, you heard today, you know, you don't have tragedy, you lose a job, and you say, like, awesome, praise God, amen, amen. And there were preachers, I think, who preached that way. You know, and everything, give thanks. You know, you break your leg, give thanks. Oh, God, thank you, I needed that, Awesome. The, the Bible's not telling you to have some delusional optimism. You know, sometimes you just say, man, I'm groaning inside. And it's not just over my job. It might be I have a, a child who's away from the Lord. And God, I trust you, but oh, this is killing me. Yeah. 
So he says, I have all of this agony within, and this is even harder than things without. You know, there's other people oppressing me, but when I'm talking to myself, and have you ever noticed, you know, I keep hearing this in the discontentment series, but my internal voice, you know, it's shocking to me how I can get in this rut where my internal voice, everything that happens through the day, I'm like, duh, figures, there we go, here we go, you know, another thing gone wrong, and nobody appreciates me, and just, I just have this internal voice all day long that's, that's complaining. Well, David is going through that, and he calls it anguish, terror, trembling, horror. He says his heart is quaking. He says, God, I wish I could fly to safety. And I call this imagination. He kind of says, like, I wish I could sprout wings and just fly away. And, you know, we read this like, oh, you know, it's kind of wistful. No, no, but we're people who are used to flying. To us, that's a thing. For all of human history until the last hundred years, you know, that was a fantasy. David is saying, you know, God, I just wish for a miracle. I wish I could just fly away. You, you realize how much life has changed in the last hundred years? Uh, I was studying Wilbur and Orville Wright. And when they had their first flight, there was a little girl that was six or seven years old. She had a son named Neil Armstrong who walked on the moon. I mean, within a lifetime, we go from the first short flight to, to the moon. But David is 3,000 years before this. He says, God, I wish I could fly away. That's kind of crazy talk. But he says, I wish I could just escape. And the irony is, he wants to fly away from the city and get to the wilderness. In Psalm 84, he's been exiled from the city. He's in the wilderness and he says, oh, I wish I could be like a bird in the temple of God. I miss being with God's people. He just wants to get away, wants an escape. And a couple times he says that he has been abandoned by a false friend. He prays for God to notice this man's duplicity. You know, we don't know who it is. Much of David's life had this kind of thing. He served King Saul so faithfully and Saul tried to kill him. You know, he had a faithful friend in Jonathan who eventually passed away. Maybe the most treacherous thing is he had somebody try to take over his kingdom and take his wives. That's a thing. It shouldn't have been. There should have been one, but he had wives and concubines. Somebody tried to take them over. Do you remember who that was? It's his own son. Absalom tried to kill him, and you have a coup that comes from your own child. And you know, it may have been another false friend. There were others that feigned loyalty. This, this portion is heartbreaking. David says, when Goliath wanted to cut off my head, I've got no problem with that. The Philistines hate me, I get that. But not you, not you. We used to spend time together. We used to share each other's burdens. We actually we used to worship and fellowship together. How could you do this? This is breaking my heart. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that kind of, of disloyalty, somebody who turns on you. And, and, you know, pastors, again, imperfect, but pastors know what it's like to have somebody turn on you. And it's like, you know, if the ACLU hates me, I get it. But the friendly fire within the church just picking at each other, oh, it, it's agonizing. 
You can't read that part without thinking about Jesus. You know, where, where Jesus is, is forsaken, he's sold by Judas. He is, he is um, abandoned by the disciples when he's arrested. He's denied by Peter. He's all alone. Even when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asks Peter, James, and John to stay with them, and they all fall asleep. And God sends an angel to encourage him because his human helpers were so useless. So he has the kiss of an enemy that's deceitful, and he prays for God to repay that unspoken, that unnamed person's uh, treachery, basically saying, God, I'm praying for poetic justice. The guy who's been a sneak to me, sneak up on him. The guy who's dug a pit for me, let him fall into it, but bring justice. Then God, then David rather, desperately calls for God's deliverance. Desperately, angrily. He assures himself beginning in verse 16, I call to God and the Lord will save me. I know this is true. I don't feel it, but I know it's true. And he comes to this resolution. His prayers were groans and complaints. Romans 8 tells us that. It says, we groan, and then sometimes we don't even know what to pray. We just like, God, oh. And the Holy Spirit groans with us, Romans 8 says, and then he takes our groans and he translates them into the perfect request. It's like Rumpelstiltskin who could take straw and turn it to gold. God takes our agony and confusion and complaint, and in his mercy, he takes that and he translates it into just the right request, and Romans 8 is so encouraging that way. So he, he groans, but he says, God, I do know, I, at my core, I do know I can trust you. I do know I have no other answer. So I give groans and complaints. His faith defied his circumstances. He didn't pray because things cleared up. There was still sin all through the city. There was still a false friend. There was still treachery. There was still discouragement. And he trusted God anyway. So when the Bible says to in everything give thanks or to, to rejoice in every circumstance, like Habakkuk 3 says, it's not telling you to, to put on a cheesy grin. It's just saying, even as your heart is breaking and tears are down your cheeks, you say, God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I believe, but help my unbelief because I am struggling. David tells us how to pray. God recorded it, inspired it for us. And then he says, not only for me, but for others, God will act when you call. We finally get this. I call it an invitation in verse 22. And David says, hey, learn from my lesson. Your life might feel like it's caving in, but don't try to deal with all this grief on your own. Let hardship chase you to God not from God. Let hardship chase you to God, not from God. It's David in 2 Corinthians where he says, I prayed for this thorn to get taken away from me. Three times I prayed. And God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, so I'm going to glory in my affliction so the power of Christ may rest upon me. God can use trials to actually tether us to himself. 
And the thorn can be a friendly thorn. It can be a blessing to you. You know, Laura's story, do you know that song? What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? You know, that idea when, when my life is breaking, but God, I'm gonna trust that you have a plan for me. You keep praying and you trust God. You allow your theology to inform your experience. And you trust God to bring justice. And he ends with God's gonna bring, he's gonna bring justice to these to these wicked people who are afflicting us. How do we summarize this? I think one thing is just the reality of pain. We are not helping God's people when we pretend or preach or sing like you will be happy all the day. You know, I used to be sorrowful, but then I met Jesus and you know, the clouds parted and every day is a happy day. And no, actually, it's a lot of groaning in this sin-cursed world. So there is the reality of pain. We don't deny it. The Bible doesn't deny it. The Bible tells us how to work through it. And the Bible says, again, I, I say to you, it's okay to pray angry, but pray. You pray confused, but you pray. You pray sad, but you pray. And you don't stop praying. And you can have that kind of brutal honesty with God. Do you have a friend that you can be unfiltered and just, just tell him what you think? And not later have to say, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, a, a real friend, you can just be yourself and just unload. Okay, God is the perfect friend, the, the loving father. He knows what you're thinking anyway. Just tell him. Say, God, help me figure this out. But right now, it feels like you don't care. I know you do. It feels like you don't. Help me. Help me. Hear me. Answer me. I'm going to trust you. So the reality of pain is the value of the Psalms. All of the Psalms are not saying, you know, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. All of the Psalms are not saying this is the day that the Lord has made will rejoice. We sing happy psalms. You know, I, I grew up singing uh, Maranatha music, the psalms, you know. Love those. But there's a lot of dark ones. And, you know, play the minor keys as well as the, as the rest. The psalms will be a help to you. If you're discouraged right now, read the psalms. Even the sad ones. And they, you, they might become your favorite portions of Scripture because they're so real. They're so in tune with what you're experiencing. And in the middle of all that, we see the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. He's unchanging. My, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had a baby 24 years ago. He had Down syndrome. They didn't know until the birth. And at less than a week old, he had to have heart surgery. And he would send out these email updates. He's a pastor. He's a godly man. Uh, GRBC pastor Jeff Burr. And uh, he's in Grand Rapids. And he sent out an email update and he says, you know, we got good news. God was good today. Jonathan's improving. And he had a friend, you know, not, not a punk friend, not like one of Job's friends, but he had a friend who just said, Jeff, I know what you're saying. But when you say we got good news, God was good today. God was good yesterday. Just didn't feel like it. You know, aren't we prone to say that? Something good happens, we're like, God is so good. Okay, and then when you get a cancer diagnosis, God is still good. He's always good. Didn't we say that the other day? God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. 
have a friendship with uh, Ron and Shelley Hamilton. And boy, they have experienced some dark times. He has dementia. Years ago, he got eye cancer, lost his eye. But the, the hardest blow of all is they had a son who struggled with all kinds of emotional issues, got counsel and never seemed to help. And eventually he took his own life. They came to me and they asked me to write a song to a tune he had left behind. He was a musician. He left a tune and they wanted lyrics for it. And they said, Chris, would you do this? And mercy, how do do you, what do you say? We ended up writing a song called You Are Always Good. You are always good. You are only good. You're always good to me. Though my eyes can't see, help my heart believe you are always only good. God is always good. Right now your heart's breaking, or it will be. But don't doubt the goodness of God and run to him, not from him. You want your baby boy when he falls and skins his knee to run to mom and dad, not to run away and start kicking things. And when we're broken, run to your father. He loves you. He'll care for you. Psalm 55 is just a sampling. There's 59 others like it. But you can have, you can have help. Maybe not perfect calm, but you can have help in the midst of chaos. And the, 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 the songs of lamentation are your friends in dark times. I hope you'll make good use of them. Uh, Lord, please take this message, improve on it. Give us what we need. Help us with the truth of the word. Thank you for David, and thank you for the greater David. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, the son of David, who was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he loved and he empathized and he feels every anguish that we feel. Uh, Thank you for the help you give us in this broken world, and thank you that you're going to fix this broken world. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So do your work through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.